Welcome to the Old Time Radio Superman Show. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, adam at adamsweb.us, and be sure and rate the show on iTunes. Also, I do encourage you, if you've not already, pick up my superhero comedy bundle, our House's Heroic Adventures Bundle. In it, you get the first three novels featuring uh, Powerhouse, Tales of the Dim Night, Fly Another Day, and Powerhouse Hard Pressed. It's all in a single bundle and all for a reasonable low price. It's available as an ebook and also an audible book or through iTunes. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Superman. The original air date on this one is July the 23rd, 1948, and this is the Voice of Doom, Part 13. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as once again, Butcher Stark, the ruthless killer who possesses deadly sonic power, and his accomplice, the Scarlet Widow, strike and vanish... Superman and Batman come to a frightening realization. Batman, do you realize that this is the sixth time we've missed them? The sixth time. This was just a bad break, Superman. Another few minutes one way or the other, and we would have had them. We'll be Johnny on the spot the next move they make. We can't wait for the next move. If we wait for Stark and the Widow to strike again, more lives may be lost. We've got to hit them first. We've got to find them and wipe them out. The other day at the beach gang, I watched two kids build a tunnel in the sand. They dug a hole clean through the sand pile, but they scooped away the sand too fast, and the whole tunnel collapsed. Their carelessness, as you see, had undermined the sand pile. Now, undermining used to cause a lot of accidents in and on top of coal mines. Miners would tunnel under the earth, steadily chop-chopping with their pickaxes, and suddenly they'd take out one shovelful too many. Their tunnel would cave in. Fortunately, undermining doesn't often happen nowadays because miners have learned new methods of shoring and foundation work. Now, I wish that people who go around carelessly undermining the morale of our country could see the enormous damage that a little thoughtless digging can cause. You see, our country is like a great building, strong as reinforced concrete, firmly anchored on a good foundation. But no matter how strong the concrete and how firm the foundation, no building can withstand underground tunneling that undermines its support. It's bound to sag and crack and possibly even collapse. Now, every time you hear some bigot utter an insult against a fellow American, you're witnessing a case of undermining. For every bigoted remark that stirs up racial or religious hatred removes shovels full of our good, solid national foundation. Yes, bigots are little people who, like moles, work underground, and they can sure do a lot of damage with their steady chop-chopping. But every time you shut them up, you're like a good miner using modern methods. You're putting in shoring to hold the foundation. Unity is the foundation on which our democracy resists. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman! 
once again resuming his guise of Clark Kent, Superman has begun the difficult task of tracing Butcher Stark, the escaped convict, whose voice contains the fearsome power of sound. <laughs> Leaving Batman to question the manager of the small airport just outside of Chicago, from which the killer and his accomplice, the Scarlet Widow, took off for parts unknown, Kent raced back to the city, hoping to pick up a clue from one of the victims of Stark's power. Now we join the mild-mannered reporter in Central Police Headquarters, where he is introduced to a small, frightened-looking, yellow-haired man by Captain Gray, head of the Detective Bureau. Who is this, Captain Gray? This is Blonde Louie, Kent. The only man who was in that pool parlor who was able to talk right now. Oh? What do you want with me? I don't I know. just want to ask you a few questions, Louie. For instance, what happened over at the pool hall? I don't know. I don't know. Like I already told the captain, I'm in the bathroom minding my own business, and all of a sudden I hear a funny noise. Oh. And I feel like my brains is coming out of my ears, and, and that's all I remember. How do you like that, eh, Kent? He wants us to believe he heard a funny noise and he passed out. If that isn't one for the books. No. He's telling the truth, Captain Gray. Huh? What are you giving me, Kent? The facts. And it only takes a call to Inspector Henderson of the Metropolis Police to verify them. That's why I'm in Chicago now. Well, I never heard such a story in all my life. Look, you've heard of Butcher Stark, haven't you? Sure, we're on the lookout for him here. Well, you just missed him. Because he was the cause of that blast at the pool room and the deaths of those two racketeers you found on the lake shore yesterday. Now, look here, Kent. How could Stark... I'll tell you about it later, Captain. Louis, uh, you said you were in the back room of the pool hall when it happened. That makes you a pretty important fellow, doesn't it? Huh? I, I don't know what you're getting at. That's the stalling, Louis. You were in pretty solid with Bailey. He's the big shot, Kent, or what? Oh, one of the men found dead in the car? Right. Well, then, Louis, you probably know why Bailey was parked in that car, waiting in ambush. I... I don't know what you're talking about. Don't give us that. Come on, spill it. You must know why there was so much activity around the pool hall yesterday. Why everybody seemed so worried. You must know, too, why Bailey went out with one of his thugs to kill someone. No, I... I don't know nothing. I... I just hang around the pool hall. Listen, Louie. Eight men were carried out of that place this morning, and out of the eight, you are the only one who's up on his feet. Five are dead and two others in serious condition. Funny you should be okay, isn't it? I didn't have nothing to do with it. I swear it. I passed out. I, I don't know what happened. All right, skip that. I don't care what happened this morning. What I want to know is what went on yesterday. I... I don't know. Bailey had a visitor, didn't he? Two visitors, in fact. A man and a woman, right? How, how did you know? Never mind. You recognized one of them, didn't you? The man. He'd been around there before. Isn't that so? Look, mister, I... I don't want to get no That trouble. man was Butcher Stark, wasn't it? I... I... Answer the question. Wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was the Butcher. And there was a woman with him? Yeah, yeah, but I don't know her. Honest, I don't. Well, never mind. What were they doing there? Well, they was trying to cut in. Dame had the press to say she was taken over. What? Yeah. She said she was taken over not only from Bailey, but from all the mobs in the city. She was going to run the works, she said. Now, who could that be? That's the Scarlet Widow. What did Bailey say, Louie? He wanted to pitch her out of the office, but then... Well, then Butcher did something. I don't know what. I wasn't around, but the other guy said Bailey fell on the floor holding his head. Butcher didn't even touch him. What is this? Go on, Louie. What happened then? Well, I heard they... They made a date to get together and talk things over. Yes? Bailey wasn't going to talk. He took along a chatter gun and... Well, that's all we ever heard from him. Didn't you hear from the woman? Or Stark? Yeah. Yeah, late last night, after Bailey was rubbed out, they come back and said they meant business and for everybody to be around in the morning. And I suppose you all tried to throw them out. I, I guess so, but I wasn't in on it. I, I was in the back room. Okay, Louie, thanks. That's all I want to know. And, uh... Thank you for your courtesy, Captain Gray. Just a minute, Kent. You seem to know a lot more about this than I do. Yes, but you'll probably get a lot more information from Inspector Henderson. Okay, but where can I reach you, just in case? Well, that I'm afraid I don't know yet. See, I'm going to meet back... Uh, I'm going to meet a, a friend of mine now, and it all depends on what he has to tell me. So long. <laughs>
Where'd you get the car, Bruce? Rented it. Figured we'd get around a lot easier and we'd have a place to talk privately. Good. Have you been up to the airport? Uh-huh. What gives there? I'm not sure, Clark. What do you mean by that? Well, we may have something and then again we may not. Oh, come on, come on. Stop talking in riddles. Well, this much I know. Stark and the Scarlet Widow left the field in their plane about a half an hour before we got there. Oh, that was close. It makes all the difference in the world. Go on. Well, they carried a full load of gas, giving them a range of some 1,200 miles, according to the field manager. You mean 1,200 out and 12 back? No, 1,200 altogether. Oh. 600 miles would be their point of return. Well, that's a lot of territory. Yes, but we can narrow it down a little, I think. Oh, how? Well, reach in my pocket and you'll find a map and a sheet of tracing paper. Oh. Yeah, I have them. Where'd you get them? The map I bought at the field. It's a regional chart of the northern part of the Midwest. And the tracing paper? The field manager says the pilot of Stark's plane dropped it. Oh, pull over to the side of the road. Let's have a look at it. Okay. Now, now look. There's a line going on it, see? Yes, a broken line and some numbers at various points on it. Well, I haven't been able to find out what they mean yet. 16NE, then 120, and at the end of the line, 2332. And there's more at the bottom of the sheet. Where? Oh, yes. WVAR20N. What does all that mean? Well, the way I figure it, the pilot of Stark's plane laid out a course on this sheet of tracing paper while holding it over a map like this. Why a map like this one particularly? Well, it's the only one outside of the smaller sectional charts that shows the field of departure. Oh, I see. Well, then if we lay the tracing paper over the map like this, we'd get... Hey, but wait. We don't know which direction the line takes. Go anywhere, north, south, east, or west. Well, I doubt it would go east. That would mean Stark and the Scarlet Widow were doubling back. Things are pretty hot back there for them now. Yeah, that's true. And if they went north, they'd be leaving the country going up into Canada. You think they might do that? Well, that would indicate they're running out, which I doubt, Bruce. The pickings are much better here. Well, then that leaves a 1,200-mile arc from south to west. Yeah, it's a lot of territory, but it's our one chance. Our one hope of stopping them before they cause any more damage. You're right, Kent. The answer is in this piece of paper, Bruce. And somehow we've got to find it. Clutching the flimsy sheet of tracing paper in his hands, Kent stares at the thin, broken line and the puzzling figures beside it. What do they mean? Can this paper lead him to Butcher Stark? Gang, you won't want to miss the gripping climax of today's episode, so keep listening. You know, gang, in those scenes in Western movies, there's a bunch of tough hombres that are playing poker, and you can generally spot the villain, because he's the bird who deals from the bottom of the deck. Or maybe slips a couple of aces out of his sleeve. Anyhow, the audience usually hisses at such a character because nobody likes a guy who cheats. In fact, that's where the expression dirty deal or raw deal comes from. When a guy doesn't play fair with other people, we say he's handing him a dirty deal. For instance, judging a man on some phony basis, such as what church he goes to or his racial origin, isn't judging him honestly on the basis of character. That's handing him a dirty deal. Or let's say a fellow is a good football or baseball player. But some of the other players on the team have stupid prejudices against him, so he's dropped. Now, we have rules of fair play in ordinary living, just as we have them in games. For instance, it's against the rules to steal or to cheat in a business deal. And everybody knows that, so because that kind of dirty dealing is against the law, only crooks do it. But this other kind of dirty dealing, such as using stupid false standards and judging others, or giving them the brush off, is not illegal. There's no law says you have to treat everybody decently and fair. But deep inside ourselves, we know there are rules about it. The golden rule, sportsmanship, the rule of fair play. Those rules make a raw deal based on personal prejudice as dirty and wrong as cheating because it's based on dishonest thinking. It's like using a deck of marked cards. So be careful to have no part of such double dealing yourself. <laughs> Thank you.
to the adventures of Superman. It is early evening and a plane drones steadily southwestward through a calm sky. In the cabin, a man and woman pluck their next move. The man is Butcher Stark, and the woman is the Scarlet Widow. You understand now, Butcher? You know what we are to do? Yeah, yeah, Widow, I know, I know. You sound impatient, my friend. You must never be impatient. The timing of such an operation is most important. Ah, why do we have to fool around with stuff like this? Why don't we just blast our way and take what we want? That would be too crude, and the chances of success are that much less. Not with me around, they ain't. You put a great deal of faith in your voice, my dear butcher. It's got us what we want, ain't it? Be patient, my friend, and trust me. Ah, I don't like getting cute. If I want something, I take it. Rest assured, we will take everything we want, must be done with the next. Just the same. Take I... my word for it. After this job, our success is assured. It better be. No one will ever question us, believe me, or even try to stop us. We will become absolute masters of every underworld operation in this country. <laughs> Indulgently, the Scarlet Widow pats the arm of her henchman and smiles. A quiet smile of confidence and triumph. What is their plan? And will Superman be able to stop them before it goes into operation? Dang, you won't want to miss Monday's action-packed episode when Superman and Butcher Stark meet again. Tune in Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 14 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Adventure Parade, which follows in just a moment. And right after Adventure Parade, you will hear Tom Mix and his straight shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. <laughs>